The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. I want you to note that uh, our next item will contain a reference to self-harm and suicide. And if uh, you're affected by our discussion, you can contact the Samaritans 24-7 on free phone 116123 or email them at joe at samaritans.org. Now, all this week, we've been partnering with the Shona Project, empowering and inspiring the girls of Ireland. And today we're looking at the stark facts around self-harm and suicide among young women in Ireland. I'm joined by Chartered Senior Clinical Psychologist at the Connolly Counselling Centre, Dr Tara Logan-Buckley. Tara, good morning. Good morning, Pat. How are you? Now, um, what exactly is self-harm? How do we describe it? Absolutely. So I think when people um, think about self-harm, automatically what they kind of go to is they go to kind of like cutting, burning. um, They kind of think of maybe suicidal attempts. So, for example, overdosing, poison and stuff like that as well. However, self-harm can actually mean a number of different factors. For example, it can be um, misusing alcohol, it can be drugs, it can be disordered eating, it can be skin picking, um, just anything that can harm the physical body or even the emotional and your well-being can be seen as self-harm. When in Ireland we're looking at figures around self-harming, we are looking at figures where it is what we kind of call um, deliberate self-harm. So it is where someone is causing harm to themselves in a physical manner. So that might be cutting, um, Mm. burning, typically what you kind of present to the ED department with. All right. So uh, if someone kind of lurches slowly into self-harm, like developing an alcohol habit, that's not really what we include in those numbers. No, it's not. It's when someone appears. So if we're looking at kind of the statistics in around Ireland around self-harm and suicide, it is when someone presents to the ED department with after engaging in in physical self-harm that requires some sort of a medical attention. Now, are those numbers growing and do we have a handle on how great they are either in uh, boys uh, uh, or girls or young men and young women? Sure. So what I would say is Obviously, the figures that we get, it's not a true representation because an awful lot of young people, first of all, they're self-harming, but they don't need medical attention for the self-harming that they're doing. Or second of all, they're also not going to the accident and emergency departments because of it due to what they feel might happen in case their parents find out or for even, for example, the stigma or the kind of shame that it might bring to them as well. So the figures that we have aren't true representation. Um, What I can say, though, is that we are moving into a stage where self-harming is becoming an epidemic level among young people. That's a cross between males and females. However, what we are seeing is there is a dramatic increase in young females presenting with self-harm and there's lots of different reasons for this. One of the big kind of links between um, self-harming is mood for example and what we've seen in recent years is that low mood and depression has increased in 20% in young females and obviously this is linked to numerous different factors like social media and decreased um, sleep as well but we are really seeing that it is across all young adults um, that increase particularly as well um, in certain communities like the LGBTI um, plus community. However, where we are seeing the biggest increase is in young females in that age bracket between kind of like 15 to 24, even for example, Pieta House since 2017 have reported an increase of 23% of young people presenting to them with with self-harm or suicidal ideation as well. Now, in terms of why people do it, and it's not necessarily copycat. They may not have seen anyone else uh, doing the kind of self-harm that they are perpetrating on themselves. 
So they, they obviously evolve to do this. What do they get out of it? I mean, why do they do it? Why does it make them presumably feel somehow better? Absolutely. So obviously everyone is is individual, but some of the kind of main themes that we see here, first of all, is around... um, is around, it's a coping mechanism. So for an awful lot of young people, um, they've got a lot of different difficulties in their life, which is kind of, I suppose, it's it's at the norm where they are in their stage of development. But for example, some people might be struggling with their own mental health or their own well-being. They might not even know that they are what that's like. They could be a past history of trauma. They might be difficulties in the home environment. They might be difficulties with themselves, even in their own sexuality and kind of exploring that. They might be bullying. So all of those things might be happening in a young person's life and self-harm might actually be a coping mechanism, even though it's a maladaptive one that someone engages in, in order to get a sense of relief. And what we're talking about there is it's that emotional regulation piece. It's something they can do that gives them um, a form of releasing the tension that they're feeling and to give them kind of a coping while also regaining a sense of control. For an awful lot of young people, they say, well, everything is outside of my control, whereas I get to choose what I put into my body or I get to choose what I do to it in the form of self-harm. And for a lot, it is getting that kind of self-control back. A lot of young people kind of describe it as, well, when I self-harm, it's like the computer shuts off. For this for this moment, I just get this peace and there's nothing there. But the unfortunate thing then is that one pain is shutting off, but another is starting. And if we even look at what happens if someone is cutting or burning themselves, is they are actually going to release... Um, adrenaline is going to come out when they actually engage in that. And the thing about it is in that moment, adrenaline makes us feel good. So for a few moments, the adrenaline comes in, the young person feels good, that computer shuts off and there is kind of like this, everything is okay. But obviously after that wears off, then that pain is just met with another pain and there can be lots of guilt and shame then associated with it after engaging in the act. Now, finally, what should parents look out for? Uh, What indicators are there? And then how should they respond? Absolutely. So there's kind of some things that they can look out for. So the very first thing I would say is have a look at behaviour. Have you noticed, has there um, been an increase in low mood? Is sleeping impacted? Are there more defensive behaviours? What about appetite? Is there a change in the young person's appetite? Are they covering up? So for example, in the summer, are they starting to cover up with long sleeves or trousers? That's a really kind of an indicator as well when they're starting to do that. Um, One of the things I would say as well is is you need to be extremely um, compassionate and sensitive how you handle this conversation. So a lot of people say, well, I just want to ask them why do they do it? And unfortunately, young people also engage in self-harming because they don't know how to communicate what is wrong. And this is a form of communication. Say, I'm emotionally distressed. So for an awful lot of young people, they can't put the words on to explain it. So it's to try to get parents to understand that they mightn't be able to explain it. So it's very much about non-judgmental saying you're there to support them, doing really practical things like removing access to items that they might be able to cause harm to themselves, speaking to them about, well, if you do cut yourself, because this is going to be, this isn't going to be something that's going to stop overnight. You have to be supportive and realise that this can be habitual and we're going to need to work on it with support. So having a first aid kit, talking to them about, okay, how do you care for yourself? 
talking to the school, also seeking professional help and also for the parents themselves to get professional help. Because when it comes to self-harming, this can take quite some time to, to get to the crux of it. And also it's really good for the parent to also know some kind of skills and for the safety plan with the young person, if the young person feels like this as well. And knowing that just to do this in a compassionate front without being judgmental and without directly asking, why are you doing this? And without automatically going to that problem solving mode, because for sometimes the young person isn't even aware of why they're doing this. And that's why seeking support is really, really important. Unconditional love rather than tough love. Yes. Absolutely. Especially when it comes to this, because um, having a parent that's unsupportive or that is quite critical and and not understanding can actually make the self-harming worse. Dr. Tara Logan Buckley, Chartered Senior Clinical Psychologist at the Connolly Counselling Centre. Thank you very much for joining us. And don't forget, if you've been affected in any way by what we've been discussing, you can contact the Samaritans 24-7 on free phone 116123 or you can email them at joe at, that's J-O, joe at samaritans.org. A reminder that our items from today are uploaded as podcasts, which you can listen to on the News Talk app powered by GoLoud. Just search for The Pat Kenny Show. My thanks to our team. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.